License 26099E. SmartSense, brought to you by Smart Air Heating and Cooling. Right now, you can save up to $3,400 on a new comfort system. Whether your furnace is no longer working like it used to, or you want to get ahead of the summer heat, it's time to call the expert heating and cooling technicians at Smart Air. Call now and take advantage of this smart offer from Smart Air. Call 512-600-4311. That's 512-600-4311. Or visit SmartAirAustin.com. Live and local, every afternoon, 2 to 4. This is Mark, Melinda, and Ed on News Radio KLBJ. Call or text them at 512 836 0590. I've been listening to your show for years and years and years. Now, Mark, Melinda, and Ed. Voters in San Francisco next Tuesday are going to be voting on two specific measures that some are calling a return to law and order in San Francisco. Let's talk about the first one, Melinda and Ed. This would require drug screening for everybody getting welfare benefits from the city of San Francisco. Well, what, yes. wait, this is San Francisco, not uh, Atlanta or Tuscaloosa or some southern city. This is amazing that they're going to do this. It just goes you goes to show you how fed up people in San Francisco are. This, to me, should be a law in every state, and it should be a federal law as well. Uh, that you have to go through. Not only that, but you also it also needs to be checked that you are actively searching for a job if you are of able body to to go and work. Yeah, if uh, you test positive, you have to get drug treatment, and you continue to be tested if you want to keep getting welfare benefits. I think that is prudent, and I think that is beneficial. Maybe on the short term for the person who wants the benefits, but if you get in drug treatment and you can help your problem, sure, people are willing to help, but not if you are spending that money on the unintended things you get, i.e. drugs, for that money. 806 people died of drug overdoses last year in San Francisco. And now a lot of the uh, heavy hitters in the tech industry are pouring their money into supporting both of these measures. They, they want to try to bring some sanity back to San Francisco. The other proposition would return some powers to police in San Francisco. Hmm. It would loosen existing restrictions on car chases. It would allow police to pursue those suspected of any felony or violent misdemeanors instead of limiting chases only to violent felonies. I have never understood them really getting strict on the car chases. I know it does put people at risk, but it makes no sense to me when the law says you cannot go after someone that has knowingly broken the law. You let the criminals know that as well. What's the first thing they're going to do? They're going to start picking up their speed and trying to get away. Um, I know it can it can cause safety concerns for everybody that's out there on the road, but you cannot allow, especially felons, violent criminals, to go out there because they also are a safety concern. Yeah, I, I think, Mel, I would go with the judgment of the officers and what, what, what the situation is. If it's something simple, if it's something that is not warranted to get into a chase, give them that ability to make that decision. But, yeah, it just because the, there's a rule that says, oh, you can't chase them because of this. No, you've got to let the cops make that decision most of the time. 
41-year-old Malcolm Weitz is a native of San Francisco, and he tells the Wall Street Journal he's voting yes on both of these proposals. He says the pendulum is swinging. It's coming hardcore back to the center. And he says, look, I run a cannabis store. I voted for the former district attorney, Chesa Boudin, one of the original Soros DAs in America, who was fired by the voters in a recall election because of his soft-on-crime approach to the DA's job. You can weigh in with your thoughts, 512-836-0590, particularly that proposal that says if you're going to get welfare from San Francisco, you will be tested for drug use. And if you test positive, you will be required to get into rehab if you want to keep getting welfare. How does that strike you? Is that a good proposal? 512 836-0590. Also today, the University of Colorado has released its study on what happened in Denver after they gutted their police department in the wake of the George Floyd death. And uh, it says it's been a catastrophe. No surprise there. They've got the numbers to point out how devastating they've had a huge increase in violent crime, property crimes all across Denver, according to to this study by the University of Colorado. I think that's what most cities, they need to look at this data. You need to look at the data. They cut their presence in half after the George Floyd thing, in half of their police, cut them in half. And the numbers speak for themselves. And that's the thing is anyone could see this coming, that that was going to be the result of defunding the police, cutting your force in half, was that you were going to see an uptick in crimes. So why? I guess they wanted that because of a movement that was happening and they felt they were going to be on the right side of it. Yeah, uh, crime went up 27% in the year after the big budget cuts in the Denver Police Department. There were 61% fewer stops of pedestrians, 48% fewer vehicle stops, 74% fewer drug arrests, Think about that one. 34% fewer disorder arrests per week, according to the University of Colorado. Look at any category you want, and you will see that proactive policing was down by, oh, about 50% or more in every single category. Mm. 512-836-0590. Steve is with us from New Braunfels at 309. Good afternoon, Steve. Welcome. How are you? I'm doing great, Mark. I, I love your comments, uh, your story here about the drug trade in San Francisco. My son worked out there for a couple of years, had his dream job. He couldn't stay because the crime was so bad. He feared for his life the whole time he lived downtown. And he, you couldn't even walk a dog because if the dog picked up a piece of paper, it was covered with fentanyl and mm. it would kill your dog. Golly. That's how bad things are. Mm. What year did he get out of there, Steve? Uh, he got out last May. And, Steve, that used to be one of the great cities to go to and visit, you know, with all the oh, things yeah. to do. Yeah. Sad. Yeah. He, lo- he loved He lived right downtown. But, uh, you know, and he had a really good dream job with a big major corporation. Uh, but, you know, he, the store, he, the place he worked at was being robbed all the time. He, had a, he worked in a locked floor under a, under a locked elevator, but they would still get in and uh, you just didn't know what was ever going to happen. Did he have any idea it was that bad before he accepted the job and decided to move out there? No, he didn't. He didn't know that it was that bad because I used to work out there too for several years, and it 
was nothing like that. I mean, it's unreal how bad things are now. Mm. You just cannot imagine. You know, he'd walk out of his apartment and, and there'd be a guy on the stoop, and you didn't know if the guy was alive or dead. But more than likely, he was dead. But you didn't report it because if he was alive, he'd be dead. He'd still be there tomorrow, and he probably would be dead. Oh my goodness. Mm. How long was he there before he realized what a nightmare he had gotten into? Oh, just about 30 days. It doesn't take long. When you hear all the stories, it doesn't seem like it takes that long to realize uh, this isn't a place I want to live. We're seeing many of the businesses that have been there for a long time saying this isn't a place that I want to conduct business anymore. Steve, thank you. Have a good afternoon. 512-836-0590. Mark, Melinda, and Ed. On your radio or streaming on your digital device, here are Mark, Melinda, and Ed. Former President Trump is leading in all seven of the key battleground states, according to a new battleground poll put out by Bloomberg News today. In addition to that, they asked a number of other questions about voters' attitudes toward Trump and President Biden. In one case, it says that 45% of these these, uh, state voters say that Trump is too dangerous to be president, compared to 34% who say Biden is too dangerous to be president of the United States. I have a real issue with the way that they they word this. They say, of the two frontrunners... Please indicate which candidate is described best by each item below. Too old and dangerous. That's so vague and so leading to me when you're saying, okay, you only have two options. Either they're too old or they're dangerous. What, what's your choice? <laughs> that is a very bad polling question, in my opinion. I, it's, it's, it's a highly targeted for those two that they say dangerous or old. And I think, Melinda, they're right on both. In my opinion, I know we differ that. Joe Biden's too old. We see it every day. He's too old. Let's let's focus first, Ed, on the question, which one is, is, is one too dangerous or both too dangerous? Focus on that one. It's a good point. I think they're both too dangerous, Mark. Joe Biden's dangerous because he's too old. And I believe his mental capacity is not what it was 20, 30 years ago, even five years ago. I think that makes him too old and too dangerous. Donald Trump is not too old. He's older, but I just think he's dangerous. I think what he's shown in the past with January 6th, his election denying, his NATO comments, the criminal cases, I just think he's not good for the country. But see, okay, how do you define dangerous then? What you just cited, I can understand you saying that you don't you don't personally feel that he's mm-hmm. good for the country. But how does right. that equate to the word dangerous? When I think January six, I think January six. When uh, I believe he uh, agitated the crowd and his lack of response for a few hours on the uh, attack on the Capitol by some people, some of the crazies. When I think dangerous, especially when you're talking about a president, I think. Someone who is going to go off and get this nation blown up in some way is going to make sure that we have zero security, is going to uh, hamper 
what we know as our freedoms that we have in this nation and that we're going to become more like a communist nation. That's my sense of dangerous mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When, when if that's how I'm going to define it. And you clearly would say Biden is far more dangerous on all of those scores. See, I, I don't know that I would say either one. I think Biden has done everything I just mentioned. Maybe he hasn't gotten us blown up yet, but his decisions are are leaning towards that. Um, I just, I don't know. I, I just, I, I don't like the question. I think it is very leading. I think it is very vague. Just don't think it should have been asked that way. All right. We'd like to hear your thoughts. 512-836-0590. If you were posed with that question, how would you answer it? Bloomberg asked these people in the key battleground states, uh, which one is too dangerous or are both too dangerous? 45% said Trump is too dangerous. 34% said Biden is too dangerous. <laughs> then they asked the question, uh, is Biden too old? Is Trump too old? 82% said Biden is too old. 47% said Trump is too old. is the highest percentage I've seen yet in any polling asking that question in terms of Biden. Again, Mark, I just I'm I'm flabbergasted at the Democrats why they haven't made a move on this, because this is going to be immigration and his age. Most importantly, a lot of people his age. He's 81 years old. If he lives out his second term, 85 years old. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous that we could be electing an 81-year-old man to be president. It's ridiculous. Why is that percentage going up, Ed? Because we see evidence all the time with President Biden, the shuffling of the feet sometimes. He gets confused when speaking. And this was asked after the Her report came out that said, we're not going to move forward with charges because he's too senile. Those are my words, but that's basically what the report said. Yes, (laughs) yes, that's right. Here's another one that, that may be worrying Biden's handlers. 62% blame Biden for the border crisis. 62% say it's on him. That number that, should be 100%. And I don't him. even care yeah. what party you're on. You have to look at sheer numbers that have come across under Biden and then compare that to any other president that has had the office. Right. And then you ask the mayors of the big cities, Denver, Chicago, and New York, cities that are on uh, the precipice of being bankrupt because of the immigrant immigrants going into their cities. All right. 512-836-0590. Also on the presidential campaign news front, a judge in Illinois, Cook County, which is Chicago, ruled that the Illinois State Board of Elections must remove former President Trump's name off the state's March 19th primary ballot. But the judge placed her order on hold until tomorrow to allow an appeal of that ruling. Five voters had argued that Trump is ineligible to hold office because of what happened at the January 6th riot. I disagree. Uh, I believe uh, we he needs his day in court. He needs his—you just cannot say— we think he he did wrong. We think, no, uh, Donald Trump deserves a day in court. That's what he deserves. You just How can't arbitrarily. How in the world are you going to refuse every person in Illinois the ability to vote for Trump if they wanted to because five people don't want him on the ballot? Correct. That's not right. 
Well, the uh, judge put out a 38-page ruling, and she says the group is right, and they met the burden to convince her that he needs to be removed. Uh, what happened to waiting for the Supreme Court to to see if you can do this or not? This, to me, is a political move on this judge's part. Due process. Due process. He needs to have due process. Ron Fine is legal director of Free Speech for Free People. He was one of the lawyers arguing this case. He says this is historic. What a victory this is. Every court or official that has addressed the merits of Trump's eligibility has found that he engaged in insurrection after taking the oath of office. I can't add anything to that, Mark, uh, that I think totally wrong about that, because even though people like me believe he was in, inciting the January 6th, you must have due process for the man. You must. You just cannot arbitrarily say this. All right, 512-836-0590. Also in the news today, an Austin doctor is angry. She says that her husband had to rush her son to the hospital here in Austin, and the doctor said he needs surgery right away appendectomy. But before we do that, we need you to pay $1,463.93 up front. Uh. The husband paid it, but now uh, the wife, who is a doctor, Dr. Emily Porter, has taken to X to share the story and say, I think the hospital broke federal law by requiring us to pay this amount up front. I can't help but wonder the question what if the guy didn't have the money? Right. Would have let that kid continue in pain, maybe die? Is that what you're saying? That's absolutely wrong if that's... And I hope she pursues this even further to investigate and see if this is really happening. How often is it happening? As she tells the Daily Mail that uh, the preemptive payment demand by the hospital is a violation of federal law, in her opinion, and her reading of the law, which she says, look, if somebody goes into the ER, they have to be stabilized by the doctors regardless of their insurance status, and then they are billed later. She says our copay is $250 on emergency care. That's what it should have been, not this prepayment of over $1,400. The Hippocratic Oath do no harm by delaying this surgery, by saying you got to pay first before we... That is outrageous, and it's wrong. I think she's got a very, very good case, and they need to apologize to her immediately. Dailymail.com says if the hospital violated this, they could be fined tens of thousands of dollars in penalties and might lose some of their contracts for federal funding. They need to. If that is how they are running their hospital or their emergency center, they need to be fined. They need to lose contracts. Now, this story does not name the specific hospital, uh, so it's just not in here. I, I would tell you what it is, but it, it's not named. But it does give the name of this Austin doctor, Dr. Emily Porter. It says she is a sexual health and wellness physician right here in Austin. She and her husband both agree that they think this was terribly wrong of the hospital to say, we need the money up front before Can't. we do the emergency appendectomy on your son. That is, what, if, what if her husband or she, and I'm reading on her website, she survived cancer twice. What if her husband's having a heart attack? No, sorry, we can't treat the man until, you know, this is, I know the appendectomy is a routine 
surgery now, but if you wait too long, bad things can happen. They can get disease. They can, yeah. It's, I can't believe this happened in 2024. She says her husband uh, agreed, okay, I'll go ahead and pay it because my son is in terrible pain. I need to get him in there. And that part right there makes it worse in my eyes. Again, you're talking about a young kid. In no way should you go, well, you know, your daddy doesn't have the money, so sorry, you can continue to suffer. The boy is seven, by the way. Good gosh. Seven-year-old kid? Yes. Unbelievable. These hospitals have to be better than this. All right, 512-836-0590. You can weigh in, call, or text with your thoughts as we take you through the afternoon here, Mark, Melinda, and Ed, live and local on KLBJ. We told you that uh, former President Trump and former pres- and current President Biden are both on the border right now. There's a story that ties into all of this out of Eagle Pass, where the fire chief says that his firefighters and EMTs have been absolutely overwhelmed dealing with the illegal immigrants. He says so far this year his crews have removed 17 dead illegal immigrants from the river. Last year, they removed 46 from the river. The youngest was only two years old. Uh, I can't even imagine the impact that this has on these firefighters doing this, not to mention all the other calls that they're running as well. And this is just one sector. Uh, I know, and and I'm not, I can't remember if it's Eagle Pass or somewhere else where they had to take just a whole team of firefighters and EMTs just dedicated to answering the border calls, not to to handle the city whatsoever, but just to answer these kinds of calls. Yeah, this this is a city of 30,000 people. This is not a huge department for the fire department and EMT. And he says, I've already had two quit this year. They're so overwhelmed with the psychological impact Mm. of pulling all of these dead bodies out of the river and and what they're seeing in terms of injuries for these people trying to cross illegally. Yeah, and this is is on the hands of the administration. I know uh, it is because the president has given them the green light. Come on over. Come over, newcomers. All right, we'll work in some of your comments. Don't call them that. (laughs) We'll work in some of your comments coming up just ahead right after the news on the half hour. It's Mark, Melinda, and Ed. Mark, Melinda, and Ed are on your radio at 99.7 FM or 590 AM. 331, thank you for joining us. We go to John on KLBJ. He has a comment on the story where an Austin doctor says that a hospital wanted payment up front before they would do an emergency appendectomy on her 7-year-old son. Uh, John, welcome. How are you this afternoon? I'm doing good. Thanks for taking my call. This is a really unfortunate story coming from a uh, United States citizen. I know if these people were illegal immigrants, they would have gotten their care handled, no problems, no questions asked. They wouldn't have had to pay for anything. My son was a heart patient. We had to pay over $2 million. The, the family next to us were illegal immigrants. Their son had the same surgery. They had to pay zero. Welcome to America. Now, how do you know their bill was zero? I personally talked to them. I speak Spanish, and I talked to the father specifically. I talked to the mother specifically about the situation because uh, we were in the same room next to each other for weeks on end, so we got pretty close. 
Were, were the uh, parents telling you, John, we've been told by the hospital, don't worry about the bill, there's, there's no bill to pay? Absolutely. And uh, our, we had insurance. Uh, our portion was over 250000 so you had to come up with two hundred fifty thousand of the two million. Uh, not 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 before the surgery, mm-hmm. but uh, that was our total yeah. after the surgery. There, wow. Theirs was zero. Ours was two hundred fifty thousand. Whoosh. So, what else? Yeah, did... It happens. It had. I'm not sure about uh, people having to pay up front. I haven't heard a lot of stories on that, but I do know the the uh, illegals getting away with medical care is absolutely outrageous. It happens every day. What else did the the parents? tell you did they say anything else that was re- relevant uh they just told me there's there's they have certain loopholes and avenues to get away with it um there's a lot of lawyers here in the, in the united states that are protecting them and there's all kinds of loopholes to get around it I, that is the part that i think really starts to grate on americans as far as what we're seeing the amount of money uh, that it takes to, to to help these people out. And I'm not saying that we should ever let a child that has a heart condition not get the help that's needed. Right. But it should never be, because, I, I'm sorry, you paid twice for that. Not only have did you pay for your own sons, you've also helped pay for your neighbor's son as well. And that's what we're doing. You're, you're putting more of a burden on everybody when you allow for an unlimited number of people to cross illegally. Well, and the real unfortunate thing is I've, I've since lost my insurance uh, and I don't qualify for any government assistance. So, I mean, that's amazing. Oh. I've, I've contributed to the system for almost 20 years and I can't get anything out of it. Uh, it doesn't make any sense. That doesn't make any sense. John, take care. Thank you, sir. 512-836-0590. You can call, you can text to join the conversation. Also today, State Attorney General Ken Paxton is suing another Texas school district. This is in civil suit uh, court where Paxton is saying that they are breaking Texas law with electioneering, meaning they're using taxpayer resources to try to coach people on how to vote in the upcoming primary elections. This is the Frisco Independent School District that's now being targeted by Attorney General Ken Paxton. I, we talked about this with that other one. What was it, Denton ISD? Yes, Denton. And and it is absolutely wrong for these school districts to use their school capacity in in order to get out there and tell people uh, how to vote. But as I was reading through this one, this one wasn't as clear to me as the Denton ISD that Mm -hmm. just sent out the sample ballot and said, here's who you vote for. Um, this one was Facebook posts that were made on the Frisco ISD Government Affairs Facebook page, and it said that they encouraged them to go out and vote, reminded them about early voting, and then also about in the primaries, you, you don't have to vote the party that you normally do. You can you can vote whatever in whatever party primary that you want to. Um, then they started talking about an issue. They, what I'm reading, Mel, they started talking about uh, the funding with uh, public school funding, the voucher program, uh, and they talked about would leave the Frisco ISD $90 million behind funding levels. You can't do that. You cannot do that as a school district. That, that you've, got to, you've got to be right in the middle with that. 
That's what I understand. And as much as I don't like Paxton, he sounds like he may be exactly right on this. Well, where I'm coming from, this says the lawsuit says that that's what they were doing, but then they listed each post, and neither none of those three posts say you need to go and support public schools and be against vouchers. So that's why I'm a little bit confused on this one because the what they said each of these posts said was encouraging people to get out and vote, reminding them about the dates. So. Ed, which version are you looking at? Is I'm it looking, ABC 13? I'm looking, I'm looking at CBS out of Dallas. Out of Dallas. Okay. As the lawsuit claims, Frisco's ISD Government Affairs Department repeatedly used official resources to stump for certain policies and political measures using Facebook posts as examples. A post on the Government Affairs uh, Facebook talked about the legislature and the public vo- last session about the vouchers. Uh, and they talked specifically about the vouchers. Okay. And how it would harm. Yes. Yes. Make your voice heard. Yeah. How it would harm the school district. I think that's obvious. I think vouchers probably will hurt school districts, but you cannot specifically say that on your Frisco government affairs, Facebook page. I I don't think you can. No, if that's what they actually said, that's absolutely wrong. At least the Texas scorecard version that I'm seeing when they listed out what the post said, I didn't see anything that said that. So what they listed was said seemed like a pretty gray area to me, just kind of encouraging to vote. All right. 512-836-0590. You can join the discussion, call or text us. Uh, There may be more as well because Paxton's office says we've received complaints from a number of locations. Mm -hmm. We're continuing to investigate. Right. Uh, He is. He's very active on this. But again, you cannot use websites. In my opinion, I'm not a lawyer, but common sense tells me if you're an ISD website, you cannot encourage people to vote one way or the other. Yeah, anything tied to the school, yeah. you cannot use it as a form to get people to vote your way. Say go vote, participate. It's an important election. Then I believe as an individual, you can have meetings or on your individual Facebook or whatever, you can send out and say, did you know this candidate, we must protect our school district, yada, da, 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 da. All right, 512-836-0590. Today's Wall Street Journal has a story saying that the theft of bicycles, of bikes, is skyrocketing across America. And uh, there is also a rise of people who are just regular citizens who have been taking it upon themselves to go find the bikes and get them back to their rightful owners. Because most of the time, when a bike is stolen, it's not going to be recovered by the police. They've just... Got too many things to do. They're shorthanded, et cetera, et cetera. So it says uh, these people will keep an eye on online postings, bike for sale. And uh, they'll actually go out and pretend like they want to carry out the transaction. And they end up retrieving these stolen bikes and returning them to their rightful owners. So they steal the bikes back from the thieves in the first place. (laughs) I wonder if any of these thieves, like, out of call and report the bike stolen. (laughs) Somebody stole my bike that I stole the bike from, yeah. The numbers are are staggering. Uh, One estimate here says it's now a billion dollars a year in stolen bicycles. 
And with EV bikes emerging, it could get even more expensive. Ten years ago, it was $500 million in stolen bicycles. Bryce Hance uh, is involved in this. He says it's bananas lately. Thousands of bicycles are stolen all the time here in Minneapolis. If there would be a way, and this is a very smart people who are going to try to recover these bikes because they get they get rewards, they get piece of the action, whatever, not piece of the action, but they get, they, they are, as I read it, they recover your bike and they, you, they will get paid for doing this. Is that, that's what I read in one article that they get that for their service of doing this, the people who get the backs of bikes to, they will pay them a certain amount of money to get my bike back. So, Some of these guys say, I, I don't want any money. I, I just hate thieves. Yeah. Which is great. If this, that's more power to these people who can do that because in the bicycle community, it's terrible. If you have a $2,000, $3,000 bike, it gets stolen and it's gone. However, I think we should be concerned when some of these are saying, I like screwing someone over who isn't expecting it. They may <laughs> they may take this a step further. Uh, he gets some personal enjoyment out of it. <laughs> yeah. All right, 512-836-0590-341. Mark, Melinda, and Ed. Enjoy the podcasts of Mark, Melinda, and Ed at your convenience. You'll find them on NewsRadioKLBJ.com or via the free KLBJ app. President Biden is now speaking live in Brownsville. Let's listen in to some of his comments. I've flown over a lot of these wildfires since I've been president. As a matter of fact, I've been a helicopter in the west and the southwest and the northwest, flown over more land, burned to the ground, all the vegetation gone than the entire state of Maryland in square footage. The idea there's no such thing as climate change, I love that, man. I love some of my Neanderthal friends uh, who still think there's no climate change. Well, my administration is going to keep building on the progress we've made fighting climate crisis, and we're going to keep help folks rebuild themselves in the wake of these disasters. And we rebuild to the standards that are up the up-to-date standards and building codes and the rest. Because a lot of, if you fly over these areas that are burned to the ground, you'll see in the midst of 20 homes that are just totally destroyed, one home sitting there because they had the right roof on it. And anyway, since I took office, FEMA's provided Texas alone over $13 billion, $13 billion in three years of disaster relief after fires and winter storms across the state. When disasters strike, there's no red state or blue state where I come from. They're just communities and families looking for help. So we're standing with everyone, everyone affected by these wildfires. I'm going to continue to help you respond and recover. Now, turning to the purpose of my visit, I want to thank Congressman Gonzalez. There you are, pal. I I thank you. Thank him for the passport into his district, but uh, he's been a great partner. I also want to thank Mayor, 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 Mayor Cowan for his partnership, and I want to thank County Judge Trevino I, uh, for over 30 and over 30 local officials who've joined us here today. No one, no one works harder for a safe, secure border than all of you. And Secretary Mayorkas has joined us today, and he's joined by seven mayors in cities and towns across South Texas. Four county judges here from across the state. I told the county judge that I used to be a county official. It's the hardest job in American politics. You know why? They think you can do everything, you don't have the budget. So anyway. (laughs) But 
And the two leaders from the Texas legislature, State House Leader Trey is here, Trey Martinez Fisher, and the State Senate Leader Carol Alvadero. Uh, and uh, look, uh, and all the other local officials that are here today, I want to say thanks. Folks, it's real simple. It's time to act. It's long past time to act. I just received a briefing from the Border Patrol at the border, as well as immigration and enforcement, asylum officers, and they're all doing incredible work under really tough conditions. Really tough conditions. They told me what, they, what, what you already know and we already know. They desperately need more resources. Say it again, they desperately need more resources. Need more agents, more officers, more judges, more equipment in order to secure our border. Folks, it's time for us to move on this. We can't wait any longer. Folks, on my first day as president, I introduced a bill I sent to Congress, a comprehensive plan to fix the broken immigration system and to secure the border. But no action was taken. Then months ago, my team began a serious negotiation in a bipartisan group of senators, Democrat leading conservative Republicans and progressive Democrats. And it resulted in a compromise bill. It's the toughest set of border security reforms we've ever seen in this country. It's pretty basic. With this deal, we could hire 1,500 additional border security agents, 1,500 additional officers, and between ports of entry. For the last four years, staffing has been roughly that, flat, just flat. Agents working overtime, spending long hours patrolling the border, making major sacrifices. And I know it takes a big toll on them and their families. That's why in December I signed a bill finally getting Border Patrol agents, what I've been pushed by and reminded by the congressman, overtime pay they deserve. Finally getting overtime pay. I, I mean, it's ridiculous it took this long. It was a long past time, and I was proud to do it, but we need to do more. It's time to step up. It's time to step up, provide them with significantly more personnel and capability. We also need more immigration judges to help handle the backlog. There are two million cases, backlog of two million cases. This bipartisan deal would provide funding for 100 more immigration judges immediately would also establish new efficient and fair process for the government to consider asylum claims for those arriving on our border. Today, the process to get a decision on an asylum claim takes five to seven years. Now, you all know it down here, but the people around the country don't understand it. It's far too long. You come in, you say, you say I have a credible fear, and, and we've changed that standard to make it hard. We want to change to make it harder. And what happens? You say, well, okay, you can win the country, but come back in five to seven years, maybe as many as eight years, and you'll get a hearing from before a judge to determine whether you can stay. This will encourage more people. This encourages more people to come to the country. If they get by the first, they got another five, seven, eight years before they have to do anything because they know they cannot handle the caseloads quickly, and they'll be able to stay in this country in the meantime. With new policies in this bill, and the addition of 4,300 additional asylum officers, we'll be able to reduce that process to less than six months. That would have a serious deterrent effect on those coming north. When, 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 when the criminal gangs say, we'll get you north, what's 8,000 bucks? They say, no, wait, let me get this straight. I'm going to go north. It's going to cost me six, eight, probably more closer to eight, I guess, thousand dollars equivalent. And I'm going to get there. And in six months, they may be able to get rid of me. I don't know, man. Six months, seven years, two different things. 
person who's thinking about entering the United States understands the cases to be decided in a few weeks or months instead of five to seven years. They're less likely to come in the first place. They're not going to pay the cartels thousands of dollars to make that journey. Knowing that, it will be turned around quickly. Look, then we also need more cutting-edge inspection machines to detect and stop fentanyl from entering the United States of America. A year ago, I stood at the border in El Paso, and I watched these machines at work. They were able to detect everything from fentanyl to weapons to people being smuggled in cargo containers. This, this compromise bill would provide an additional four, three, $424 million for 100 more of these machines and could save lives in the process. This compromise legislation will also give me as president or any of the next president emergency authority to temporarily shut down the border between ports of entry when the numbers of immigrants and migrants, excuse me, overwhelm the border, starting straining the Border Patrol's ability to process them. At the same time, at our legal ports of entry, like here in Brownsville, we're making investments in infrastructure. My bipartisan infrastructure law is going to provide nearly $4 billion new dollars to boost security, to ease waiting times at land and ports of entry like Brownsville. And I want to thank again Congressman Gonzalez for helping me get that through and get that passed in the, in the law. That you get the money for the, for example, that's how you get the money for the Gateway Bridge from that fund. Folks, the bipartisan border security deal is a win for the American people. And it's a win for the people of Texas, and it's fair for those who legitimately have a right to come here to begin with. It's a win for the people of Brownsville, and I believe that's why the Border Patrol Union endorsed it. I believe that's why the National Chamber of Commerce, the National Chamber of Commerce endorsed it, not known as a democratic organization with a capital D. Look, and that's why the Wall Street Journal endorsed it as well. This is a truly bipartisan initiative. That's why the bipartisan South Texas Alliance of Cities endorsed it. Folks, <clears throat> I, didn't get, I didn't get everything I wanted in that compromised bipartisan bill, but neither did anybody else. The compromise is part of the process. That's how democracy works. That's how it's supposed to work. Compromise is a very positive step on a critical issue for the country, all those issues for the country. And folks here in Brownsville and all along the border know that. We need to have their backs, your backs. I want the people to understand clearly what happened here. This bill was in the United States Senate, was on its way to being passed. Then it was derailed by rank and file politics, rank partisan politics. The U.S. Senate needs to reconsider this bill. And those senators who oppose it need to set politics aside and pass it on merits, not on whether it's going to benefit one party or benefit the other party. It's about whether it benefits the American people. It's what the American people deserve. The Speaker of the House needs to put this bill on the floor because if he put it on the floor unrestricted, it would pass. The majority of Democrats and Republicans in both houses support this legislation until someone came along and said, don't do that, it'll benefit the incumbent. That's a hell of a way to do business in America for such a serious problem. We need to act. It's time for the speakers and some of my Republican friends in Congress who are blocking this bill to show a little spine pass a bipartisan board, bipartisan, as another member, bipartisan, conservative leaders supported this border security bill. Let's remember who we work for, for God's sake. We work for the American people. Let me end with this. I understand my predecessor's legal past today. So here's what I would say to Mr. Trump. Instead of playing politics with this issue, 
instead of telling members of Congress to block this legislation, join me, or I'll join you in telling the Congress to pass this bipartisan border security bill. We can do it together. You know and I know it's the toughest, most efficient, most effective border security bill this country has ever seen. So instead of playing politics with the issue, why don't we just get together and get it done? Let's remember who the heck we work for. We work for the American people, not the Democratic Party, the Republican Party. We work for the American people. And let's remember who we are. We're the United States of America. And no, I mean this. Think about this. There's nothing, nothing beyond our capacity. Nothing when we work together. And if all things we should be working together on is this, we have the formula to get it done. God bless you all. May God protect our Border Patrol and God protect our troops. Now I'd like to turn this over to Secretary Mayorkas. Thank you. All right. That's President Biden live in Brownsville. Here are the numbers, 512-836-0590. You can call. You can text us. Mark, I'm sorry. It's the same old, same old, same old. Pass that bill. I've done more than anybody else. I, I, I wanted a comprehensive plan my first day. Blah, blah, blah. You open the borders the first day, Mr. President. You welcome them in, and now we have a colossal program, a colossal problem, and uh, he, your rhetoric won't get you out of it. He told you everything you need to know about what he feels at the border by opening up the conversation talking about climate change. Uh, then to go on and say that he wants the toughest border reform. Great for you. The rest of us, you know, the people that you work for that you just said you work for, we want border security. You can do border reform anytime. Right now, we need border security. Let's go to John in Pflugerville on KLBJ. Good afternoon, John. Uh, hi, Mark, Melinda, Ned. Uh, yeah, that, that speech sickened me because everything he said, uh, this bill that I introduced, we wouldn't have had to have had that bill introduced had he not on day one wiped out everything President Trump did from his first day in office. So that wouldn't even be an issue right now. And now he's trying to backpedal and, oh, the guy just makes my skin crawl. I'm sorry. John, oh. will will uh, will voters believe it? That's the key question. I mean, to be honest with you, if they have a memory, they shouldn't. But they see there seem to be so many people out there that are just blind they they listen to everything that that the Democrat Democrats spout, and uh, I, I, I honestly I can't understand it because I saw it from day one of his first you know his first day in office. And, and yeah, all right, John. Thank you. You have a good afternoon. We will continue to work in your comments right after the top of the hour news. Melinda and I are here with you 4 to 6 live and local. Ed is moving over to 102.7 ESPN with Jeff Ward for Sports Talk. License 26099E. Smart Sense. Brought to you by Smart Air Heating and Cooling. Right now, you can save up to $3,400 on a new comfort system. Whether your furnace is no longer working like it used to, or you want to get ahead of the summer heat, it's time to call the expert heating and cooling technicians at Smart Air. Call now and take advantage of this smart offer from Smart Air. Call 512-600-4311. That's 512-600-4311. Or visit SmartAirAustin.com.